In today's episode, we'll talk with Anthony Frame, co-founding editor of Glass Poetry Press. Welcome to episode 13 of The Chapbook. I'm your host, Noah Stetzer. And I'm Ross White. Noah and I are directors at Bull City Press, which publishes chapbooks and occasionally full-length books of poetry, fiction, and creative nonfiction. We started this podcast to celebrate all things chapbook, to go behind the scenes of the publishing process, and to share chapbook news. Look, I love Glass Poetry Press. I love it so much. I order so many of their books. I often have my students order their books when I'm teaching them about chapbooks, about how to put together a collection. Glass Poetry Press is doing some of the best work in chapbooks today. And Anthony Frame is with us. Glass is a press that feels like a sibling to Bull City Press and one that I watch closely. I love their titles. I love their authors. A little bit about Anthony Frame. Anthony Frame is an exterminator from Toledo, Ohio, where he lives with his wife. He is the author of the book, A Generation of Insomniacs, a 2014 Main Street Rag Press title, along with four chapbooks. The latest, Where Wind Meets Wing, is out now from Sibling Rivalry Press. His poems have appeared or will appear at Crab Creek Review and Third Coast, among many other journals. His work has been awarded individual excellence grants from the Ohio Arts Council in 2014 and 2016. Look for more information at his website, which we'll have for you in the show notes. So Tony, I wanted to start off with, you're a superhero in my mind, so I want to know the secret origin story of Glass Poetry Press. The press itself jumped out of the the journal, which my wife and I founded years and years ago. Back in 2008, we just had the idea of starting an online journal. And so we did. You know, it was The internet makes it super easy to do that kind of thing. And we did it for a few years and eventually just life kind of got in the way and we decided we were going to shutter the journal. Skip forward a few more years and I I had that editing bug in me again. And I really wanted to get back to it. But what I wanted to do was less of working with poets on a single poem. I really liked the idea of working with them on a larger collection. Full lengths are just out of my uh, wheelhouse. It's it's a lot more work. I don't know anything about distribution, and I know I would not be able to do the justice that those authors would need for their full lengths because that's such an important time for them. But I love chapbooks. So I thought to myself, well, can I do chapbooks? I didn't think I could, but I started talking with my friend Dan Nowak, who was running Imaginary Friend Press at the time. And I said, how do you do it? And he gave me all the information. He told me all the ins and outs of paper and where you can get a good long necked stapler. And basically, I'm looking at this like, yeah, I could do this. Right around that time, two things happened. I got my second individual artist in excellence grant through the Ohio Arts Council. And it's $5,000. It's a decent chunk of change, which would have helped us a lot. But I also thought, you know, this community has given me so much. Can I take a chunk of that and give it back? And the idea of the press seemed like a great way to do that. So I took a chunk of it to kind of do that initial investment in printer, paper, all that type of stuff, rebuying the website. The other thing that happened was that was near the time that Best American Poetry put out the edition that was edited by Sherman Alexie, which had the unfortunate incident of uh, Michael Derrick Hudson publishing a poem that got in that anthology under a Asian pseudonym. 
And he explained that the reason he used the Asian pseudonym was basically he thought he would get published quicker and easier based solely on his name, which I, I'm, we can talk for hours about the ridiculousness of that, the offensiveness, the problematic nature of that. But looking at that whole situation, watching everybody online kind of getting really, really upset, understandably, I thought to myself, there has to be something more that I can do than just yelling at the internet and being upset. So rather than just being angry, rather than raging, I decided, yep, we're going to do this. We're going to start a press and I'm going to see what I can do as a privileged, straight, cisgender, white man to fight against that mentality of, how do you say it, the uh, homosocial reproduction of American letters. Is there a way that I can create a space that is not exclusive? Um, because I think it would be problematic for me to create a journal that's specifically for some identity class, since I'm not part of that identity class. But is there a way I can create a space that authors of all identity can feel comfortable? I don't know 100% how it happened, but it seems to have happened. I continue to get just amazing manuscripts from amazing writers who trust me to be careful with their work, who trust me to be sensitive with their work, who trust me to be understanding and faithful to what they are doing. So it's, it's been a real eye-opening and very touching experience to know that for whatever reason, they're, they're putting their faith in me. And I just try not to, I try to live up to that. I do think that the integrity of your intentions is really obvious from the other side of the website and from the pages. I'm curious, editing is one kind of work, but making chapbooks, that's more of a crafting kind of work. Right. And I'm curious if that's always been in your wheelhouse. I don't know if it's always been in my wheelhouse, but it's, it's certainly something that I'm interested in. I did have the good fortune of, when I was doing my undergraduate at the University of Toledo, one of our poetry professors had a press that was a, I can't even think of the name of the press off the top of my head, but it was a book arts press. So he has the old Gutenberg self, you know, hand set type. Uh, he makes his own paper. He makes, he's got a book that he had made where he made the cover out of a pair of a bunch of old jeans that he ground up and turned into paper, like full score book arts, handmade everything is just craft. And so I did get it. And he, every now and then would run a class on that. And so one summer he was offering it, I was able to take it. So I kind of have a sense. I have some training in how to set things on a page because we did a lot of margins. And if you put too much type all the way down the page, it starts to feel like the page is falling apart and running over and turning into a waterfall. And so that kind of stuff is in the back of my head. Beyond that, I, I, I use a lot of like, I just kind of, I just try my best and I work with my authors a lot. Um, we do change the type font, the font type on each different chapbook to kind of match the book itself. And I work with my authors. What kinds of fonts do you like? What do you like in terms of spacing? Um, I remember when I was working with Logan February and How to Cook a Ghost, we went back and forth a bunch because they wanted to make sure that every little piece of it was going to work and look perfect. And so they kept asking me like, is it a problem if we change more? I'm like, 
send me more notes. Send me, I want all those notes. The book that I'm working on right now with Ashley Klein, she's kind of been the same way where she's really on top of that layout type stuff. And much like Logan, she's been very, I hate to bug you. I'm like, you are not bugging me. This is exactly what I want because I want the books to both read beautifully. These are beautiful chapbooks. These are beautiful poems and beautiful collections, but I want them to look beautiful. So we definitely, I work really hard with my authors to make sure that that craft stuff is up to the level of the poems as much as I can with my limited technology. I would love to be able to do more. I would love to be able to hand sew these books. I would love to be able to do little mini books and, you know, make them into little squares and do all sorts of weird, wild stuff. I only have the printer that I have and I don't have, I I don't have the time to hand sew all these chapbooks, but, um, what I can do, I try to do because I think it's great for the authors, but also it's part of the experience for the reader. And I want every piece to work together. So you're on year five of the chapbook series. Yes. What has been your greatest revelation over these last five years about the nature of the chapbook? So I think the greatest revelation that I have had is that what I thought I liked in a chapbook all the things when I first started thinking about the press of, I would like to put out chapbooks that feel like this or that do that, or all of that was wrong. I thought that I was going to do a ton of like single poem chapbooks, just those long sequence punk chapbooks. And I've done a couple of them. I get a lot of them, but for, I keep, and, and I want to publish them, but I keep getting drawn over to these other chapbooks that are much more distinct poems collected together. I'm someone who is always attracted to the experience of, of a new manuscript teaching me new things, taking me by surprise, not only in its talent and in its craftsmanship for the poems, but also how it leads us through the production and editorial process. I'm wondering if you can give us a preview of some of your upcoming chapbook titles that folks can expect to find from Glass. So we have two that are forthcoming. Ashley Klein's And Watch How Easily the Jossings of God is finished. It is technically out, and I'm actually going to start printing and stapling and shipping it out over this weekend. It's really, I'm really excited about this and I'm really excited for it to get into people's hands because I think it's a great manuscript from a a really fantastic young writer that I think everybody should be reading because she's doing amazing stuff. And then we have Ariel Francisco's new chapbook. It's his second chapbook from Glass. It's called Every Morning Now, I Wake Up With a Mouthful of Blood. And Ariel was our first chapbook author, so I'm excited to be bringing his new work out. After that, I would say keep your eyes on our website and our social media. I narrowed down this year's submissions to the 20 finalists, and I'm working very hard at trying to make that final decision. So we should be announcing five more very soon. All right. So season six is is coming soon. Coming soon. When submissions open for season seven, Tony, what do you think you'll be looking for in a chapbook for all the folks who are like, ah, I want so badly to be a glass poetry press writer. What are some tips that you can give them for making sure that their manuscript is in the best possible shape? That is a really good question. 
And it's a question that there really isn't an answer for. And that's one thing I've learned from all these years of reading these submissions. You, if you want to put it in the best shape possible, just send the best work you have. Every year I go in thinking, I really want to do X, Y, or Z next year. And I never do because something else, you know, A shows up and it blows my mind. So put together a chapbook that you are comfortable with. Put together a chapbook that you love. Collect the poems the way that you feel they should, they should be. Don't worry so much about the formatting. Don't worry so much about whether every comma is in the right spot. That sort of stuff we can deal with in editing. I'm happy working with authors on editing. Don't worry so much about, did I do, did I put all the poems that I want to put in? You know what? We're going to figure it all out. If the voice is there and the manuscript works together as a whole, that's what matters. The main thing that I say is when people ask me that kind of question, I, I say, just send your best work. At the same time, be conscious of what you are doing in this manuscript. I'm not that interested in a greatest hits collection. So it shouldn't just be about the best poems that you've ever written together. I'm much more interested in how these poems are going to talk to each other, how these poems are going to evolve each other, and how these poems are going to elevate each other so that it should work together as a collection. It should feel like these poems are meant to be together, like there was a conscious mind putting them together. Beyond that, just put out the best, best book that you've got. I remember being told when I was younger, a lot younger. I, I remember being told about put it, writing a poem that, you know, the first two to four lines are the most important line and lines in a poem. And the last two to four lines are the most important lines in a poem. And all the lines in between are the most important lines in the poem. And I think the same thing about a chapbook. The first few poems are the most important poems. And the last few poems are the most important poems. And every poem in between are the most important poems. So just get those poems shaped up, get that collection so that it's feeling like it meant, it's meant to be together and, and send it out there. We, we can only publish five. That means there's going to be a lot of worthy manuscripts that aren't going to get picked. So when you send it to me, if I say no, I can't with this one this year, send it elsewhere. It'll find its home. And if a year goes by and it hasn't found its home, I would love to read it again the second time. Just, just keep you know, trusting your work and just keep sending it out, it, it, especially for those places where you don't have to you know, put out 25 bucks every time you send it out. Just send it out. Isn't that the greatest heartbreak of being an editor is how often you have to pass on really worthy work? Oh, you, you, you have. Yeah, I, I was going to say you have no idea, but you guys do, you do have an idea. Tony, that brings me to a question we often ask on our podcast. Do you have a favorite chat book that you might recommend to our listeners? I have a lot of favorite chat books and I won't give you all of them because we only have so much time, but I can think of two kind of off the top of my head. Um, one is called What I Know of the Mountains by Hajar Baban. Uh, it was released by Anhinga Press and I'm probably not pronouncing that press correctly, but it was released in 2019 and it's a gorgeous gorgeous chat book about voice and identity and trauma and all, all, all those types of things. And it's 
one of the reasons it's one of my favorites is that it was submitted to me. It was going to be a finalist. It probably was going to be accepted. But it has this wonderful thing that she does where she's talking about language and specifically talking about being bilingual and, and being, um, uh, being a, a, a from all these different traditions where she starts putting words on top of each other. Literally, the words are on top of each other in the manuscript. And so I remember I was sitting there working on other chapbooks and reading submissions. And I was reading this one and I had to stop everything I was doing and see, could I pull this off? As I was doing that, I literally, that's when I got the email from her saying, hey, it got picked up elsewhere. And that was one of those moments where I I emailed back right away and said, congratulations, that's awesome. Send me the link when it's available because I'm buying it immediately. Book itself is just amazing. So I definitely recommend that. And another one I really love that I would recommend to everybody uh, is from Hyacinth Girl Press. And it's called Like Ash in the Air After Something Has Burned by Fox Henry Frazier. It's another just a really strong, powerful book that has just amazing poems that I go back to over and over again. Tony, where can folks find you and Glass Poetry Press online? So we have our website is www.glass-poetry.com. On Twitter, which is where I kind of do most of my social media stuff, we're at glass underscore poetry. And are we on Instagram? I think it's Glass Poetry Press is our Instagram account. Tony, thanks so much for being here with us today. It is such a delight. We had never met. We'd never, uh, other than just being fans of each other, we'd never had a chance to get together before. And so to spend time with you is such a delight. I, this has been wonderful. And I really appreciate I re- appreciate you guys. I appreciate everything that Bull City is doing. And I really love this podcast because I love chapbooks. And I love the fact that we're celebrating the chapbook. Full lengths get a lot of love. I think chapbooks are starting to get a lot more love. And I'm really glad to see this much love going for 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 the chapbook. So I, I, I'm so glad and grateful to you guys for putting this this podcast together and for having me on it. It's an honor. And listener, if you like Tony, like the podcast, why not go ahead and click subscribe? Or better yet, tell a friend we're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the other major pod places. Every review matters for a fledgling podcast. So if you've got a moment, click five stars. Go ahead, type that little review out. Say, oh my God, Ross and Noah are amazing. The episode with Tony was my favorite. If you want to find out what we're up to, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bull City Press or visit our website, BullCityPress.com. You can find me on Twitter at DC Noah. And you can find me at Ross White. You can also email us all of your questions about chapbooks at chapbook at bullcitypress.com. Big thanks again to Anthony Frame for joining us today. And thanks to you for listening. We'll see you at the next episode. Bye, everybody. 